correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello, and my computer has decided to cooperate tonight as well. I know, we had to delay this a day because your computer decided not to cooperate. Yes, it, 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 well, you know, it had an update. That which I have set the thing repeatedly to update in the middle of the night, like when I'm asleep. Hey, man, I think technology just hates you. I think you're right. Because you're still not getting Facebook notifications, are you? No. <laughs> I, I if anybody even... knows, I'll put this out to the, to the podcast. We've tried resetting his notifications. We've tried changing the settings. We've tried all of it. He's not getting I've Facebook Messenger phones. notifications. Yeah, he changed entire devices. And, and he's and, not getting the ding for Facebook notifications. And the native app, Messenger for PC, refuses to boot on my computer. Like I've I think you got uninstalled, banned. reinstalled. <laughs> yeah, so putting it out there for you tech gurus. You got any ideas, let us know. Yeah, I mean, like I, I did the thing, went into the settings and made sure it can run in the background. That like, you know, the new latest Google smart what the hell ever yeah. isn't shutting it down and that no it's not that it, it i it's annoying me it but is i have I, I have given up trying to fight with it for the time being because yeah anybody that needs to get a hold of you can just get a hold of you through discord well you can message me i still get the messages and like if i open up facebook there's the little icon up in the corner mm-hmm. but i don't get the 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 little dingy sound or the notification on my screen that someone sent me a message Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. If anybody out there knows the solution to that. Yes. Uh, 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 Android Pixel 7 Pro, by the way. Yeah. If anybody knows the solution to that, that isn't stop using Facebook. (laughs) Look, I mean, I use it for networking. You know, that's actually how I get probably at least half our guests. Yeah, because everybody's on Facebook. That or I stalk them on discords because I'm in, I don't know how many different RPG based discords, but. I just follow people on Twitter. Oh, that I like, too. I've been enjoying interacting with uh, Opti on Twitter. He's a nut. He is. He had a whole fit put together the other day, and he was putting himself down about it. And I'm like, man, that is the most punk rock thing I've ever seen. It was like this shirt that said, let's talk about Jesus. And yes, had like a yes, I saw t-shirt. that. I commented, I'm like, dude, that is punk rock. And he's like, elaborate. I'm like, easily. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, we got to get man. him back on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Opti is now technically... Yes, Opti is an honorary Steve. He is? Yes. Yeah, well, we need to get him back on since he's an honorary Steve. Yes, I'll have to message him at some point. Maybe once uh, Subversion is, is getting close to actual launch. Once it's something to talk about. Yeah, because, I mean, they're deep in playtesting and, and whatever... But being as I have a whole bunch of games that I already have in my grubby little hands, I haven't read the betas on that yet. Maybe if we ask him nicely, he'll run it for us. <laughs> Opti, come run this for us. And also we'll record it and put it up as an actual play. Well, see, But see, that's a little less attractive to someone who is already a podcaster. Right. <laughs> oh. oh, my. And don't worry. The actual plays are taking a minor hiatus. They will be back at some point in the mm-hmm. near future. Yeah, with various things have conspired and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. we should have something new. Uh, well, we, we should launch into actually playing here in the next couple of weeks, weeks. And we'll probably give it a little bit there to kind of build up a little backlog before we uh, start actually start recording episodes. it so that, you know, we have a little bit of a buffer there. Yeah, before we start actually re- releasing episodes. But speaking of actual play podcasts. Yeah. The Genesis Archives. Mm-hmm. Genesis Archive. It's another podcast here on the D20 Radio Network. And uh, this one, well, they self-describe as a bunch of nerds, artists, writers, and musicians who collaboratively create stories through tabletop role-playing games. 
most of which they do with Genesis or sometimes Star Wars. I believe most, I, and I, okay, confession here, I'm a bit behind. I listened to a bunch of them for a while, but it's been some time since I've gotten around to that again. They were playing in their GM, Jonathan, who's been a guest here on the show. Uh, well, it's been quite a while now, but uh, he has a setting called The Unseen World, which is urban fantasy set in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Vegas fantasy. It's a pretty cool setting, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're very good role players, very good content, very, very fun to listen to. So check them out, uh, anchor.fm slash the Genesis Archives. And, of course, as always, there'll be a link in the show notes. And, of course, you know, for other gaming goodness, et cetera, check out uh, d20radio.com. There's, you know, the blog with all the cool stuff from all the different people that write for that and a bunch of other podcasts and all kinds of other fun goodness. Anyway. Right. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, so we have a, uh, and, and this is going to be sort of a reoccurring thing because we had a really great turnout from the last time we requested uh, stuff from our, our patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Also known as, oh, crap, we need some topics. Um, oh, here, let's ask these people. Yeah. So we reached out to our patrons and asked for some questions, and it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of those questions, Steve, Yes, let me. was brought to us by InstaWin. Yes. Our, our, our favorite Dane on our Discord, I think. He's one of two, I believe, so I don't know. Anyways, really cool, really active. Um, let me find where there's the right channel. He asked us if we could consider diving into some of our various favorite game mechanics, comparing them, talk about what works well for us, what not, etc. You know, some stuff like that. And also kind of ask, you know, talking about what a crunchy game is and, and where is the limit between crunchy and non-crunchy and why. And what well, we've touched on that, I think, a time or two in the past given the amount of different games we talk about, and that's a term that we kind of do throw around a bit, figured it might be worth revisiting that to kind of kick it all off, just so the folks out there listening have an idea of, of what our frame of reference is. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so let's define crunch for us. Okay. You go first or am I? I can go first. All right, you go first. For me, I break down crunch into two categories. There is mathematical crunch, and then there is crunch. Uh, crunch being the sound that a handful of dice makes um, as you roll 14 bajillion dice and your shadow runner does a thing. Um, <laughs> and then there's mathematical crunch, which is more along the lines of like dark heresy or... Um, the Warhammer 40k stuff or the Warhammer game in general mm-hmm. where you have percentages and numbers being thrown around and math being done constantly and if I ever refer to something as mathematically crunchy that's basically where my headspace is at mm-hmm. typically when I'm calling something crunchy and maybe you agree with this too is I'm referring to just pure dice being rolled I I know you have mentioned that in the past. I, when I talk about crunch in a game, I'm talking more the mathematical sense. Okay. For me. Fair enough. Um, you know, it, I mean, I like the sound of big handfuls of dice, even though sometimes it can be annoying when you have, it, it depends on how it's handled. And I think that to me is, is kind of the core of what crunch is in a lot of ways is, you know, crunch can be a thing in games with lots of dice doesn't necessarily have to be to me it's it's much more the mathematical the calculation and even more than that i think it's the amount of like interconnected systems that depend on one another you mentioned warhammer and and while i don't own it um warhammer fourth edition is notorious for having all these extra subsystems that tie into and affect kind of everything. You know, there's momentum and resilience and uh, there's a couple other things like that. And most of them, the way they're set up, you can't just like, oh, we're just not going to use that because it affects six or seven other things if you decide not to use that. And to me, that's where the crunch kind of comes in is the, 
that and and another thing that I feel is crunchy is you ha- if you have, for lack of a better way to say it, cascading tables, where yes, the tables themselves aren't crunchy, but if you roll on this table and that tells you, okay, roll on this table and now roll on this other table, like I think for me, crunch in the mathematical sense is how much dice rolling and calculation do I have to do to find out what the dice roll means? Right. Okay. Fair enough. I feel that I, uh, I don't know. There's, I, I enjoy rolling big handfuls of dice, but there's something about the math that happens after a big handful of dice. That's really annoying. Mm-hmm. And I, well, and like you mentioned shadow run. And again, I've not, I've not played shadow run, not played it. I've read it. I've read some of it. I've listened to some of it being played and that seems like one where a lot of times you roll dice and then the the character or the NPC that you're acting against rolls dice. And then based on that, someone else rolls more dice. And, you know, it. <laughs> I'm at a stage where I'm not crunch averse, but I like for I like there to be dice there kind of guiding the randonimity of the game. Right. But I like when the dice also do their job and get out of the way quickly. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, I think for me, the, the narrative dice from fantasy flight, now edge, you know, star Wars, Genesis, whatever, they're kind of this weird because, and the other thing with that game, and I think you can back me up on this. When you try to read it, it seems complicated as all heck. Oh but yeah. When you play it. It doesn't feel that way. I've like described sometimes, it sometimes, but go ahead. I think if you were to sit down and, and this is, this is where like this comparison comes in for me. If you sit down and wrote out how to play rock, paper, scissors on paper without illustrations, I think you would be going, this is confusing and difficult. <laughs> Fair. And I think that's where we run into the, the problem with, um, I think that's where we run into the problem with the NDS is that on paper, you're looking at a game that is, and I've described it as this, and I know it irritates the, the Genesis guys, but I don't care. It's effectively rock, paper, scissors. This symbol cancels this symbol. That symbol does this over this symbol. It's, it's effectively a game of, did I roll a rock or not? And... <laughs> I'm not saying that to be dogging on it in any way. I think that's a really beneficial thing for that system. But in my opinion, I'm just calling it as I see it. <laughs> yeah, no, and I I get what you're saying. And But I think, like you said, if you tried to write down the rules for rock, paper, scissors without illustrations, it would seem very confusing, much in the way that like trying to read the Genesis or Star Wars core rulebook until you have a concept of how it actually plays feels very complicated. Until I rolled dice on that game the first time, I still felt that game was complicated. But like you just said, until you rolled dice the first time. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, that's how it works. But the thing in this kind of ties back to what I was saying before, though, about, you know, like cascading tables and so on and so forth. The thing that I really like about the NDS is you make one roll and that tells you a bunch of different stuff. Oh yeah. You know, you have yeah, you, know, you have your assorted outcomes and sometimes figuring out what to do with threat or advantage can be a little tedious, whatever. But you use you know, you, you have a fixed base damage and then your successes add to your damage. You know, you get a lot out of that one dice roll. And that's where I was saying, you know, like the dice do their thing and then get out of the way. Well, you can't ask for too much more than that. Right. I think it's always annoying when you got to be like, and you were talking about this a little bit ago, nested tables, where you're sitting there and you're scratching your head and you're going, all right, I rolled this result on this table, which activates this ability, which means that this thing happens and then that thing happens. And it's not just like annoying for you. It's boring for the table. Right. Like as somebody sitting at a table playing with you, I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, is your turn done yet? Can we move on? <laughs> and it's not me being like, oh, I, I, I can't stand this guy. It's me being like, I, 
I don't care. I don't care that your plus two spear deals 483 damage because you managed to do this crit in this particular order, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't. And I'm not saying that, like, I get it. People like their things, and it's fun. And I've been there myself, where it's like, okay, I, I, you know, make an attack, and I got all these things, and blah, 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 blah. I think it is it is fun in the moment for the person involved. And I think this is this touches onto a point that I heard uh, Ken Hyde or Robin D. Laws make about, they were talking about just F20 fantasy games in general, and but you know like D and D, how we talk about how sometimes you know okay it's been my turn now I got to go do something for half an hour till it gets back around to me. Right. As GMs, we lose sight of that sometimes because as the GM, you're involved in every role almost. You know, and and this is something, and you've been at tables and played it for whatever reason. The dice rolls in Genesis draw the table's attention every time. Well, I think it's because it's not numbers. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but there's something inherently boring about looking at that like somebody else's numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's fair. I, uh... I, like understanding the consequences of the situation is one thing, but like there's something inherently boring about sitting there and staring at somebody else roll dice and and it's a number, and then you don't know what their modifiers are. Whereas with with the with the NDS, the modifiers don't matter so, so much. Well, they're already all built into the dice pool. Right. Yeah. You're looking at the modifiers. Occasionally you may have an additional success or advantage or. Well, even cetera, then but... in like sessions, you just add that in anyways, because you right. can just add that symbol. Right. And so it's like, okay, let's roll dice. Ooh, <laughs> that hurt. Yeah. That was not good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, this is bad. Oh, wait. Oh, there's two of those despair things. Oh, that's really uh, not good. What's two <laughs> despair know. mean? Or <laughs> on the flip side, ooh, what do I do with 16 advantage? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think that gives us kind of a, a baseline of, of kind of where we think crunch, or what we think crunch is. What do you said is kind of the mid-crunch you know, the, you say something is kind of crunchy, not as crunchy, you know, so what do you, what do you use for mid, your kind of, my, my go-to mid crunch game is boy, I like to point towards D and D and be like, this is a mid crunch game. I actually was going to say the very same thing. <sighs> I Partially, get some people, some people argue that it's not, but well, I would use it as the reference point, if for no other reason that it is the most familiar reference for most people in the gaming community. Right. Yeah. And I argue that I, I really argue that D and D, especially fifth edition, I don't know. Everything's kind of built into the character sheet and you know what your numbers are before you're rolling anything anyways. So it's not like that changes depending on the dice roll, unless it's a crit, in which case it doesn't change that much. Yeah, it. but there's there are some situational modifiers, not as many as there were in, say, 3.5. Um, there's situational modifiers. There's, you know, okay, if you do this, then you, you do that, etc., which, again, you can have most of it figured out in your character sheet in advance, so it's not... I, I feel like calling D&D the, the mid-crunch reference point, I think, serves everybody well. Yeah, and and I, this particular edition, because, like, older editions were more crunchy. Mm-hmm. I would say 3.5, probably the highest. Um, 3.5, AD&D was really crunchy, because you had a lot of roll and then look at the table. and Like, look at Thacko. Thacko is the epitome of roll and did I hit? Well, fair. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. And I like Thacko, but <laughs> I, it's been forever. I'm not going to sit there. And, it, okay. So. Let me, let me, let me take my little hill before somebody comes at me. I'm not going to sit there and say that Thacko is a better system than what we're do, what we're using now, but I think armor class in general is a flawed system. So we'll just, that's a whole argument to have. later. <laughs> yes. But I think Thacko was a, very 
interesting solution to a problem that didn't need to be solved. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. I don't care. (laughs) Like, come at me. I I mean, it did the thing that it did. Yeah, it it did the thing it needed to do, I guess, because somebody said it needed to do that. I, I tend to agree with you that armor class is a is a weird thing anyway. But then, like, yeah, I don't know. But, like, there are games, too, where I feel like a game we both love, Cyberpunk 2020, I feel like is a little bit crunchier than D&D. But I feel like, for the most part, and maybe this is some of the simulations that hides in the backside of my brain coming out, but I feel like for the crunch that's in Cyberpunk 2020, you get a lot more from it than you get from the crunch that's in 5e D&D. So, yeah, can speak to 2020 a little bit better than Red. I feel like, I don't know, I still feel in my mind that Red and like 5th edition D&D are basically on par with each other when it comes to crunch. I would say they're in the same ballpark. Because think, it's... Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. It's one of those things where the if I were to boil it down to just the basics, which is roll dice, look at modifier number, add two together, read number, mm-hmm. right? Like add two to num to two together, and then announce number. That covers both D and D and Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. because Cyberpunk, you know, if you have what I'll call proficiency in a skill. When you look at the number that when you look at that skill and you look at the modifier number, it's already got the proficiency built into it. Dungeons and Dragons is sort of the same way. Like there is that proficiency bonus. So maybe you could argue that Dungeons and Dragons is slightly crunchier than, than uh, cyberpunk, but it's basically the same thing. And most people that have proficiency in things already build that number into the stats. Fair. The one thing I'll, I'll knock D&D for in that regard, though, is that D&D has six completely useless numbers on every character sheet they've ever made. Oh, the, the plain stat numbers? Yes. So I do some stuff with those. And I know a lot of people don't. There are, or there were optional rules floating around to what for what to do with those but in general i use those numbers as a way to tell if i'm going to use if i'm going to make somebody do a check or not Mm. like i'm not the best so i don't always remember and can't at a moment's notice bring in my mind what the different modifier numbers like I don't remember if a a seven is a plus zero or plus two. Like, I I can't remember that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I just, I I look at it every time and I just follow whatever the book says. And then I go, okay, I never have to worry about this again. (laughs) And so I'll ask somebody, I'll be like, what's your flat stat on that? And it say, it's like a, if they ask me, can I make an investigation check? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. What's the what's your what's your stat number? And they say, oh, well, I have a 19 in that stat. I'm not going to make you do a check because you already have a lot of experience in that. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to make it like unless it's something that's almost completely hidden. There's no reason for me to be like, oh, you're going to roll dice because if you don't find the thing, we're not going to progress any farther. Yeah. So I just I just go. Hey, what's the flat number on your stat for that? All right, mm. you do it or you don't. Or uh, go ahead and make me a check, DC, and whatever I make off the top of my head for the check. Right. right. <laughs> well, but but Cyberpunk in, in both 2020 and Red just did away with that stat and stat modifier thing, and you just add your stat number to the roll. Right. So Yeah, and, and that's, again, where I would argue that maybe maybe... 2020 and red are better examples of you know mid crunch games but i still say D just because it's the most go-to yeah no i think it's it's for lack of a better word it's the easy reference yes you know now now 2020 got into some more complicated stuff with the rules for layering armor and some Grenades. of that stuff got a little bit crazy 
Um, the one, one of the things I'm the happiest they took out going from 2020 to red was the hit location role. Oh my God. And then because... called shots. You had like a called shots. You had a, a plus 10 or minus 10. Yeah, something like that. I think it's minus eight now, but yeah, it was like minus 10 difficulty for called shots. And, but if you, yeah. if you called shots and you hit it, you didn't have to roll on the damage table. And yeah, yeah. that's a, I, I think that's a cool stat in certain games, but not in that game. That's a cool thing. in like, I like it in like, um, Oh, what's the cowboy game? It's the cowboy game. Haunted West, Deadlands? No, no, it's the one that you play with poker cards. Deadlands. Deadlands, yeah. In Deadlands, you're not calling shots, but your shot placement is... So you put your target down, and then depending on what you pull, that's where your shots are. Okay, you're talking the OG version. Yes, the original. Which had a... It's a really cool idea. I'm not describing it well. Uh, but basically what you would do is, I I don't know the exact mechanics of it, but you would basically do your shot and then you're going to basically set a target down on the character where you're aiming. And depending on what card you pull and what suit it is, that's where that shot hits. And so like you could try to shoot somebody in the leg and end up killing them just because random chance didn't like you that day or you could try to um shoot somebody in the head and completely miss because you have less of a chance of hitting anything else at that point like it's a whole thing Mm -hmm. and it was a really cool it's a really cool concept for especially a a cowboy game (laughs) so question is that crunchy i don't think so i don't think so because it's not there's not a lot of modifying being done to that. Is is and I'm I'm just throwing this out there, you know, like is it be also because the method it's being done with feels more engaging than a simple dice roll? No, maybe maybe no. It, I again, I I feel like it's not crunchy because it's I feel like it's less crunchy because it's not like Oh, why have to do mathematical calculation? Like you, you don't have to think too hard with what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty binary result. Did you get a this? If not, what did you get? Or did you get an X, Y, or Z? Yes. Okay. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. No, like I said, I was just asking because I don't know. It it felt appropriate for the topic. No, I I. I understand where you're coming from. I'm just saying that for me, I really don't feel like it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I think though that too is, is maybe is that an aspect of what we consider crunch is how engaging is it? Right. You know, if it's engaging, it doesn't, because I think on some level, the, cr- what you tolerate is crunch is directly related to how interesting you find it. Yeah. I, I, I could tend to agree with that. I think that's what, a lot of people that play um a lot of people that play stuff like uh well we picked on it a little bit earlier shadow run mhm i think a lot of people that play shadow run will tell you that i'm not really here for the system i'm more so here because the game's so interesting mhm well but like okay and and yeah because instawin brought this up instawin was a big rollmaster fan by his own by his posts anyway and i have no reason not to believe him uh, Rollmaster, of course, is notorious for having charts for everything and usually several of them. I think it, it, it becomes a thing where if it's what you want, it's great. And and that's the thing is, for the most part, I don't think crunch is inherently good or bad. No. You know, there's a game that I'm really curious to try that's in my collection. Uh, second edition of Slay Industries uses yeah. their, I think they call it the S5S system or whatever. I don't remember exactly what they call it, but I'm a little curious to see how the dice system plays at the table because it sounds really interesting, but it feels like it could be kind of fiddly and take a little time to sort out results at the table because the way they do it, you have, okay, you need one distinct D10 and I believe it's up to five other D10. So your distinct one is what they call your, 
I think they call it your success die. So you roll, you, you have your success die, and then you add dice based on your attribute and your skill up to, I think, five. Or maybe it's just your skill. I I haven't reread the rules in a little while, and not having gotten to play it yet, they didn't burn into my brain real well. But what you do is the the success die determines whether or not you did the thing. How many of those other dice succeed or fail determine how well you did the thing or in the case of attacks can grant bonus damage, etc. Right. Sounds really cool in concept. I wonder how it works at the table. You yeah. know what I mean? Because basically what you've got to figure out is your target number is 15. So you have to figure out what does the die have to have for me to get a 15? And then how many of my dice are over that? Hmm. You know, let's just say you're, you're, you're rolling it. Well, just to make the, the math easy, we'll say you're at plus eight. Okay. And you need to get a 15. So you need to see how many of your dice, the one die. Okay. Is it a seven or higher? And then how many of my other dice are seven or better? But it feels like, in a sense of, of how I was talking about it, I kind of like want the dice to do their thing and then get out of the way, that that's requiring a bit more time spent on the dice themselves. Does that make any sense? Oh, it makes a ton of sense. <laughs> I get that completely. Not having played it yet, I don't know that that's a thing, you know, like how it actually translates when you get it to the table, because yeah, yeah, like we talked about Genesis. On paper, it feels really freaking clunky and weird. At the right. table, it's like, oh, okay, yep, okay, it, there we go. Yeah, it just clicks. It just clicks. So, yeah, you know, Savage Worlds with the exploding dice and and whatever and the and the raises. Um, I don't think it's that crunchy, but it does require for for quickly calculating raises and stuff does require some some math aptitude that might not come as easy to some people as it does to others. You know, I mean, we've had that conversation before too, that, you know, and like just between you and I, our, our math skill sets are very different. Oh, I'm terrible at math. <laughs> I, am I mean, absolutely <laughs> atrocious. I'm not a math whiz, but I'm fairly quick at a lot of it. Math is not my skill set at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anybody who's known me for more than 10 minutes understands that, don't ask Steve. He don't know. Uh, I know the the funny thing is, and you know this. I I have a really esoteric knowledge set, and I know a lot of stuff. I cannot wrap my head around math. Yeah, it, right, and 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 that's the thing, right? You, you go to systems like Powered by the Apocalypse. You're rolling two d six, maybe adding. Well, when we played Monster of the Week, I think the highest you ever add is maybe a plus two or a plus three. Right. Well, that's pretty, pretty base. It's not that hard. And I think as gamers, there's something about numbers on dice. And I think certain dice sizes add together faster for a lot of gamers than others. Does that make sense? Like if you roll 3d6 and roll 3d8, I'm willing to bet most of us can add up 3d6 faster than we add up 3d8. And I don't know why that is. I don't. I couldn't. Or, or 3d12 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, seems like sixes add very fast, at least to me. Maybe I'm just weird. That's because one through five is really easy to add. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? The like, chances of a six are one in six on each dice. Mm -hmm. So it's like you get this situation where 90% of those dice are like twos, threes, and fives. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even then, if anybody sits at the table and watches me add sixes together, it's hilarious. Like, I'll be like, all right, these two, it's eight, 10, 12, uh, uh, 17. Like, <laughs> see what I think what I do if I'm, I'm doing stuff like that, I actually will like group them into tens. Oh, yeah. I, I, I try to group them into groups of 10 and then I get this just it's just a mess. I'm bad at math. Just don't, just ignore me. <laughs> well, no, but it, 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 I think that also goes to speak of, of what, you know, if, if we're talking crunch in a mathematical sense, that is part of what 
would make you define something as crunchy that I or someone else might not, or even, you know, you might not and someone else does. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Trust me. I have a friend that's an accountant and he is like, oh man, this math is super easy because we played, he was running a, uh, well, he always wanted to play Warhammer. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, did like the start of a Warhammer thing. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, we'll play Warhammer. And then he's like, oh man, you're having a hard time with this math. It's super easy. I'm like, dude. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, I mean, do you have, do we think we need to go more into that? Maybe touch on a few mechanics that we like or, or things that we like in concept anyway? We can talk about it. Yeah. Um, why don't you start? Cause I'm having, I'm like drawing a blank on, okay. on mechanics. So what I, I think what I like in mechanics is when a game does more than one thing with a role. Okay. Like for example, and this is, you know, a mechanic that others have pointed out. Greg Stolze, when they designed Delta green, automatic weapons have a lethality rating. So the way this works you make your attack roll, just a D100 roll, percentile dice. So if you succeed, you then, instead of rolling damage, you roll against the lethality rating of the weapon, which in most cases for like submachine guns isn't that high. It's like 25 or 30%. And, and they have what they call a kill radius, which is basically how far does the, the action of auto-firing spread. Right. What I think is beautiful about this mechanic, though, is you roll for the kill to see if you get under the lethality rating of the weapon. If you get under the lethality rating, we'll just say it's 25 and you roll a 17 or whatever, okay? Now, everything in that radius just dies, like all humans, whatever. It's just dead. If you roll over, now it just becomes a 2d10 roll, and that's the amount of damage done. So if you roll, let's say, okay, so you rolled a 17 and you kill the three cultists that are standing there. But let's say you rolled a 88. Now, all three of those cultists that are in that radi- radius take 18 da- or eight, eight, 16 damage. All off of, you know, your, your one roll that tells you, did you directly kill them or did you do just enough damage to kill them? Or if you rolled a 51, we'll say, oh, well, they all take six damage. You know, it's doing more than one thing with the roll. And I find that very elegant, you know, very yeah, kind of simple, but effective. And I think that's the type of stuff. Like, I'm really curious. I have to, I think I have a PDF somewhere of, of uh, Wild Talents, which uses uh, a game system that Greg Stolte designed. They, they call the one roll engine, which I know is, is intended for you make one roll for the action and you determine success and magnitude and, by different aspects of the role. And I'm really curious to see what he did with that, just because that type of thing fascinates me. Like how many, how many different ways can we interpret this one roll of the dice instead of roll this, if then else, you know, roll again, if then else, you know what I mean? Right. Right. I yeah. think that to me is, is, is the, those are the things about game mechanics that fascinate me. You know, like like that lethality rating and, and the way that works, I would say is one of my favorite little game mechanic nuggets. Yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff. I'm sure if you went back and listened to the podcast, I'm having a really hard time just drawing something off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you another one that, that I actually like, and it it's really, really simple, but it's the advantage-disadvantage mechanic. As much as I'm not the biggest fan of 5e, Oh, it's so advantage nice. disadvantage is just wonderfully simple. Well, and easy and to understand. As a GM, it gives me it gives you any reason to be like, okay, I'm going to make this this just naturally make this difficult for you, mm-hmm. or I'll be nice and make this a lot easier for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I I I agree. I think advantage and disadvantage is great. I think. I really like the initiative system in, in Genesis. I, I really think that's a great system. That's fair. The, the You mean the, the slots? Well, yeah. I Everything about their initiative is great. Everybody rolls based off that stat, and then, I don't know, fight about it. 
<laughs> you know, I it makes tracking as a GM a lot easier because you don't have to sit there and be like, what did you roll? Where are you going? You know what I mean? Like, it's very much just shout out whenever you're ready to go. And, okay, I think I'm going to take my turn. All right, great. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I like that is... That's another really good one. And it, have you ever you've you've run D and D a bit more than I have, especially recently? Have you tried implementing that with D and D? It doesn't work, doesn't it? I wasn't it, sure if it would or not. The problem I run into with it is in most D and D games, and even in the one I'm running now, you have power gamers because it's built into that is the way to play the game. Mm-hmm. And so you have people fighting to be first and that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's better to just let those people put points in to the stat that would make it, you know, it's better to let those people put the points into the stat that would make them the most effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and like, okay, cyberpunk 2020 and it read to a lesser extent there's a specific class mechanic that gives that class an advantage on initiative. So it feels like that would be kind of breaking the system in a way if you did it there. Right. Um, but in general, boy, I, I, I do really like that. That's another one that I, I really am a big fan of. Yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm really just <laughs> struggling to draw some stuff to mind. I'll tell you another one. Um, Sorry. No, no, no. A, a, a mechanic that I'm, I'm, and this is cheating a little bit, but uh, we'll find out about that later, is um, the way the age system does the stunts and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got a, you got a new toy. Yes. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I like that idea that, and again, but to me that's also getting into that we're doing more than one thing with the role. Right. You know, we're taking it apart and and using it different ways, but we're also using it all together, you know? Yeah. I, um, I'll t- actually to backtrack a little bit when we were talking about crunch, I think another thing that makes a game feel crunchy is if it doesn't have unified resolution systems and yes, palladium, I'm looking at you. Palladium has this goofy thing where most combat stuff is D 20 based and most skill stuff is percentile-based, hmm. and I don't understand why. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, like, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> like, I, to me, that's uh, a, 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 a confusion point. Like, if, if we're playing D&D or Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green or Cyberpunk, and I tell you to make a roll for whatever, you know, okay, I'm reaching for my D20 or my percentile dice or a D10. Palladium, right. you got to look at the sheet, go, okay, I have, um, okay, to do this, it's uh, it's a this role, but I need to do this and then this to do it. It's like, ah! Uh, that sounds like Palladium in a nutshell. Just, ah! <laughs> and when are we doing that thing? I don't when are know. We, when are we playing Savage Rifts, Steve? Oh, I have to figure out. It wouldn't take me long to be able to have my head wrapped around it, I think, to run it at a table. The tricky part is that, well, as we covered briefly in the intro to the show, me and my difficulties with technology and learning to GM on a VTT with a system that I don't feel like I have my head fully or at least mostly wrapped around is daunting because of the relationship I have with technology. Yeah, I feel that. You know, I... I Darren offered to help me with it, and uh, at some point, I need to make the time to take him up on that offer. But uh, oh man, something I definitely that is the to perfect do. person to help you with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Uh, Darren's a great I think, dude. I think we need to. Uh, I don't know. I think we need to do some background stuff and try and plan out a time where we can get some people in a room and play an actual tabletop RPG. <laughs> Yes, yes, that would be nice if um, schedules and geography and etc. weren't such a pain in the butt. Maybe we could, uh, you know, we're both pretty close friends with a couple of local game stores. Maybe we can 
figure something out for a me and Steve meetup. That could be fun. We might, maybe we should could do that. Yeah, because I could think of a of about three places we could play right now. Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking of three places where we're directly friends with the owner. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe do it like a make it a, a three week event or you know three month just thing. One, do it a couple one, times in a row. Just do it a couple times. You're like, hey, if you can't make it to this one, once at one place, once at the you know, yeah. Because what? It, for the fact that we both live in the greater Pittsburgh area, it, Pittsburgh is geographically weird. Yes. Yeah. Because an hour in any direction from Pittsburgh takes you somewhere completely different. Mm-hmm. And, and just because it, take, it, it takes you an hour to get anywhere from anywhere in Pittsburgh. Oh, that's just true. And, and then there's PennDOT in construction, which you might be able to see it, but now it'll take you an hour and a half to get there. <laughs> Uh, so over near, um, her parents' house, there has been a bridge that has been shut down for, I kid you not, I, it feels like three years. Mm -hmm. And, um, it is the most frustrating thing ever because if you're going one direction, you like couldn't get off to go where you needed to go because the bridge was closed. Mm -hmm. So that's fun, but it's finally open, which is hilarious. I drive a 15 mile stretch. Of an inter- of of one interstate on my daily commute to work, mm-hmm. I have worked. I have I have lived in the same location the entire time I have worked at that location, and it's been I've been there about twelve years. I don't believe I have ever driven that stretch of road without there being construction along it somewhere. Well, that highway, that stretch of road in particular, is. My dad has speculated that 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 stretch of road will never be finished. <laughs> he thinks it's some sort of uh, what do you call that? A Ponzi scheme. <laughs> they just keep breaking it and fixing it and fixing it and breaking it. Well, right now they have the bridge over the Yawk Valley, one lane each way. <laughs> That's which lovely. At the wrong time of day is really annoying. That's brutal. All right. Well. We going to move into game of the week. Sure, let's do game of the week. Woohoo! Game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. All right, I I have one. All right. Um. So my game, I I'm I've been sort of following this stuff. It's kind of neat. Um. So this is a game called We Saved the Vessel Once. Okay. We saved this vessel once. It is a, how do you put this, Star Trek-esque tabletop RPG about doing missions and saving, like, it's a whole, like, one or more players recommended three. It, it plays off a deck of cards, um, it says two hours with no prep, and then possible triggers, which I think is hilarious, bad Star Trek episodes, and they still advise safety tools. But it just looks like a simple draw card, go through the thing, tell the scenes and tell the story together and just play this like basic Star Trek-esque game mm-hmm. that is not as involved as the actual Star Trek game, right? Mm-hmm. So my big thing is, and I I think it's neat that there are Star Trek games. I don't need all that. I, I like Star Trek to be fast and loose and weird. Although that's also because I started watching Star Trek with Next Generation, which was fast and loose and weird. <laughs> okay. I tried to get into it and never succeeded, but that's me, not everyone else. Yeah, it's... I get it. It's not for everyone, but for me, it's like, yep, I like I like my Star Trek weird. I like it goofy. I just finished Deep Space Nine for the first time, which was really good. Um, And I'm not looking for, I don't want your super involved Star Trek story. Mm -hmm. I don't need, I don't as a player and as a GM, I don't need you to push the right buttons. Jordy LaForge. I know you're going to do your job. I don't have to worry about, did you do it successfully? Mm -hmm. And that's where these type of like this, retro star like we talk about crunch light games Mm -hmm. these are games that just get out of the way of themselves Mm -hmm. and i could see this just being an absolute 
it gets out of the way of itself and is there for Star Trek nerds to be Star Trek nerds and have a great time. Well, yeah, that's and you bring up a point there relative to like crunch, right? If the game very well defines how it wants you to feel kind of like, or the feel it wants the game. If the text clearly defines the feel that it wants play to have, I think that makes everything much easier. Yes. Yes. I I was trying to say, I, I feel like things become immensely easier when both the system and the setting are designed around each other. Mm-hmm. And, and look, this kind of goes to why in a lot of cases I'm more a fan of dedicated system games than generic rule set games. I think that's, that's fair. I, man, but there's but, just so many outliers of those generic system games that well, are good. Yeah. Like Genesis Genesis is a great example of that. Like it's a fantastic game, whether or not it has a rule system or whether it has a rule system or not. Right. But I think that's because Genesis or star Wars actually, you know, and Genesis being based off the star Wars game was designed to emulate the feel of star Wars. And that feel is such a, a common thing that a lot of people want in the way that their games and their stories work. Right. Yeah, I I get that. I get that. But I also look at something like GURPS. I really like GURPS, but I I don't want to get into an argument, but or I don't <laughs> want to get into a full discussion about it. But GURPS has some stuff that like it's kind of bizarre how in depth GURPS is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a splat book for everything, and I mean everything in GURPS. Mm-hmm. If you look hard enough, you can find a rule for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes that a really interesting. Like, again, that's a that's a, the definition of a generic system. And it's really cool. I really like that system. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird, man. But I dig I dig me some, you know, I've been on that goofy train for a while. I dig me some goof. Mm hmm. Well, in this we saved this vessel once is a little three-page framework game, which yeah, it, as long as they make you feel like what they want you to feel like in those three pages, that tells you a lot about how you to play the game. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, what do you got, Steve? Well, as I don't uh, think yours is a surprise to me, but no, no, I'm I'm going to go with, and I um I've been curious about Green Ronin's age system for a while. Uh, going back to when uh, I did the episode with Ren about it. And um, they kind of let slip then that they were working on a kind of condensed, sort of somewhat revised core rule book for Fantasy Age specifically. And no, standard high fantasy isn't generally my jam of choice, but every now and then I get the itch. And as I mentioned, you know, I like, the, the 3d6 with the stunts and, and whatever, you know, wow, they're, they're kind of doing more things than just what's the number. Right. So I bit the bullet a while back when they announced it and I pre-ordered what had become the second edition of green Ronin's fantasy age. And um, now I know the rest of you can't see this, but I'll hold it up. So Steve can see it on the camera. Very, very pretty cover. Oh, that's a, I, I saw um, the pictures you posted. It's a very retro cover. And the interior art is all, you know, to the same standard. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet because I had between five and seven preteen children in my house most of the last week, which uh, for anyone who is not accustomed to that and suddenly does it is uh, best described as mass chaos. Uh, but yeah, fantasy age is, is really neat. And, and one of the things I like about this, we talked a few episodes back about character advancement and customization and so forth. And how like, particularly with D and D it feels like the classes are very pigeonholed kind of, Mm -hmm. well, fantasy age. And, um, one of the things they did with the second edition, which by the way, by their own admission is 85 to 90% compatible with all the first edition material. One of the things they did was they added another class, which brings them up to a grand total of four, which sounds a little bit, 
uh, light compared to a lot of games. But right. the way it works, there are four class. Your four class choices are envoy, mage, rogue, or warrior. Envoy being the new one. Now, an envoy effectively is the face character, but that's kind of as far as they define it in just the class, right? You're you're the charismatic, you know. You're you're the face. You're the talker. You're you know whatever. How right. you choose to define that, you go into specializations and you pick and choose from there out. That's and cool. you know, there's tons of options. And then obviously, you know, mage, they don't they don't differentiate between divine and arcane magic per se. But so like a priest would still be a mage by class type, but you would split off down a more priesty divine magic specializations. You know, rogue and warrior. So rogue is is your more sneaky, scouty, pokey type, where warrior is probably more more brute force, we'll say. Or uh very precise, you know, range of whatever. You know what I mean? But like it's it's not as defined as, you know, fighter, warlock, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um and and you're free to kind of mix and match pretty deeply as far as i can tell with your your specializations and and you know it's it just feels like a very very customizable game yeah it seems like it i i've always heard really good things about the age system and specifically fantasy age mm-hmm. but it kind of like you i'm not a huge high fantasy person so it sort of was like eh I'll get to it when i get to it yeah well the the pre-order came up and i'm like you know what yeah I'm yeah, just going to do time. it. I've been curious enough. Um, and I had started reading. I had, in a bundle somewhere, gotten the old Fantasy Age Core rule book. And I'd right. read enough of it that I went, I think I like this. Okay. Well, hey, maybe that's the fantasy thing that clicks. Yeah. And another thing that I just noticed in the drive through listing, I hadn't even got to this in the book yet. It's got a, a Game Master Guidance section in it, right? Which most games do. And let's be honest, most of us just skip over those, right? It specifically breaks says there's guidance for each of the GM's four roles, which, you know, you're the game planner. Many times you're the actual host of the game, either in you're hosting it at your house or you're kind of organizing everything anyway. You're running the game and you're also moderating the game. So, you know, I I just thought that that was a neat, neat little tidbit that's in there. You know, and there's some optional rules. Um, there's, There's what they're called twin systems of peril and daring. Um, there's a fortune system. And of course it's also part of what they've done with this second edition is bring in some of the optional stuff they've developed in be it the expanse or modern age and, and some of their, you know, later publications using the same dice, general dice mechanics. So, uh, like I said, that's mine. I got my pre-order copy. I don't remember what day it was, but you know, but within the last week, and it's a very pretty book, and I'm very happy to have it. So that's mine. Fantasy Age Second Edition. Yeah, that's cool. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, with all that being said, as always, links to everything are in the show notes, Facebook, uh, Discord, Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're part of our Patreon, you get like first dibs on asking for show topics. Um, we have guests. We have guests when guests are going to be on we shoot you guys you know they get carte blanche for questions um when we have episodes going up like we have uh patreon exclusive episodes that go up periodically just some cool stuff over there mm-hmm. it's also a link for our drive through affiliate link if you yep. want to help us out in that way we get a little little tiny bit of of whatever you decide to spend on drive through if you use the link Right. Hey, if you're buying something from drive-through anyways, even if you're not really paying money for it, still use the link. Cause we, you know, we see that and that helps mm-hmm. us have an idea of what our audience is interested in. Mm-hmm. But with all that being said, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. 
thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.